Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Colson, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, uh, I would ask how it's going, but I'm sick. And I'm tired. <laughs> and we've had so many technical difficulties already. Uh, so I feel like uh, I don't know how it's going. Uh, unless maybe it's going better for you than it is for me. Fingers crossed. Is it going better for you? Well, I've I've been walking and digging myself out of a lot of snow this week. On uh, so so no. Yeah, so not super great. And trying not to slip on ice or discovering secret puddles. Did you know that secret puddles were a thing? I didn't know secret puddles were a thing. Um, is this like? crack through ice and then now you're in a puddle yeah 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 that's a thing yeah and you didn't you didn't know it was there um this is something that i never experienced in atlanta so <laughs> i just went oh this this is this is unpleasant and i do not care for finding three puddles in a row when i thought this was perfectly safe ground to step onto. so other than that it's been an okay week <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i did seem to see see on on uh twitter that there's one positive thing did i hear that you guys finished uh, Evangelion? Yeah, yeah. My person and I finished it uh, yesterday as we watched the last two episodes on Valentine's Day. Um, she very much had a WTF, wait, what happened? What, what happened? Sort of response, which is the proper response to the last two episodes of that show. So now she's got to watch the end of Evangelion, which is the movie that, that they made after they got the budget to make it since the last two episodes they had no money. <laughs> Good times. I, I don't. I know that I have seen some of this, but I don't remember it at all. So clearly I was not paying enough attention um, if I even did see it. I might be confusing, excuse me, confusing it with a different show, but it's just, uh, I just guess I'm waiting for you to make this a, to make you watch it on pick at some point. Cause I know that like I'm overdue a massive viewing um, because I've had you watch too much. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I keep giving you short things to watch, and Evangelion's only 26 episodes, and it's going to be on Netflix eventually sometime this year. It's only 26? So. Why did I think it was a much more broad and long-running show? No, only 26. Mm. Okay, well, then that won't do it. You have, to, you have to maybe watch something with way more episodes so I can catch up. I don't feel as guilty. All right. Well, guess what? You're going to watch One Piece. There's like 700 episodes. Have fun. <laughs> I have at least one student who, uh, if I told them this, they would be very excited. Um, She was telling me all about it. She she went to a con and got, like, just a bunch of manga and, like, filled a bookshelf uh, with with all of her uh, 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 Lunar New Year money. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's very excited. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I've been – I have a couple ideas. The one that I was going to do for you, um, which is this, listeners, this is months and this is like half a year away. I was about to say. Yeah, no, this is a long way away. But I can think of it. The one I was going to do, though, apparently the creator of the show, the British comedy, is, is like a like a far right nut job now. So maybe we don't want to give uh-huh. any free press to the show. So I have to ponder it a little bit more. But, but I will be picking something that is short and that is light and not the leftovers. So... Yeah, no, I don't want to do the leftovers yeah, yeah. in two weeks again, please and thank you, because that that wasn't that wasn't great for Noel. No, <laughs> it wasn't great for Noel's person either when she was just like, "Why are you sobbing? I can't help it." <laughs> Gary Coon. 
<laughs> Let's just watch Infinity yeah. War again. No, wait, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the the big um, thing right now with with that is, of course, we, we have the new uh, Captain Marvel movie coming out soon, and there's the last push for Black Panther, which is not going to win anything. Um, it's outside of like the technical categories, but I would I would love for it to just like somehow randomly take some big awards at the Oscars, which I don't intend to watch. But I would be very excited if that happened. Yeah, I would be too. But yeah, it's yeah, it's sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, this week, I, as you can listeners likely hear, I, I you know, aforementioned te- technical difficulties. I am in recording with less than ideal audio. Um, so I apologize for the audio quality. I will be back to my normal setup for the next podcast. Um, so thank you for bearing with me on it. I am on location. I am playing a bunch of Disney music, which is mostly going very well. It's super fun until like it's not for <laughs> several measures because it's insane. And then it's back to just like really fun. Uh, so it's been quite an experience. Um, I am developing a very concrete thoughts about some of the musical choices and trends across Disney that I would not have like crystallized or really put together if I wasn't playing a concert just like one after another after another suites from all like the millennial Disney favorites so like you're 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 a little mermaid beauty and the beast uh um, there's some uh lion king in there there's some um, mulan and pocahontas it's very right. like our age range um, with, with a handful of others, but like we're doing Mary Poppins and there's no let's go fly a kite. And I just, I feel a little like insulted. Well, I mean, at least, uh, at least, well, I mean, they should be doing Sleeping Beauty too, since it's right there. Oh, you know, we're not doing any Sleeping Beauty, Um, but we are doing a massively fast uh, step in time that just keeps going and going. And it sounds really good. It's just hard. I'm like, can't we just go fly a kite, please? (laughs) But uh, that's what I'm doing this week. Um, and so because of that, I have, and because I'm sick of some shit here, I have not had a chance to watch much of anything. Noel's going to, I'm going to be here for my sparkling personality this week. While Noel actually fills in on a lot of the deleted TV. Uh, but we will be talking about Russian Doll at the end of the show. That's our spotlight section. Next week, we will be doing One Day at a Time, season three. And we, we were going to do that this week. We ended up flipping them. Um, but Noel will have a preview of that as well. It's like, it's a very, like, is February, like, the new, like, April, as far as all the best TV comes out this month? I kind of feel like it, because, um, like, kind of spoiler alert, Miracle Workers is also very funny. Yeah, so. and, well, and it's, it's also only, like, seven episodes, or something like that. It's going to be a short miniseries, and yeah. same thing is true, I mean, better be true, with Russian Doll. But I think back to this time last year, and we had a lot of those, and we had Killing Eve, we had Barry... We had the Americans, we had Atlanta, all of those shows right in this like this chunk of the year. And so I, I feel like I feel like this this not January, but like February, March, April has become when all the best TV comes out for whatever reason. It, it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe it's because they know at least if Americans are stuck inside, so they're just trying to feed us as much TV as possible. Or we're not going out to blockbusters yet. You know? Yeah. Maybe that's it. Because it doesn't make sense for, like, the run-up to, like, Emmy voting or whatever. The way that, you know, they time all the Oscar movies for for the voting. So I don't, I haven't quite put together why I think this is, but I I do think it's interesting. And and I think it's also that people kept moving shows out of the way of other shows, (laughs) which is how we ended up with, like, Atlanta and uh, 
the Americans coming out now instead of like at the start of the TV season when it might they you know more niche shows might get swallowed. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I've said that already, but I will be pondering this. I will reach out listeners and let you know if I come up with a better reason for why I think that is the case. But this is a long way saying we have a lot of thoughts about Russian Doll and that'll be coming in at the end of the show. But for now, we're going to keep it on the shorter side this week. Um, so let's head into our week in TV. And sh- what, do you, what do you say? Shall we listen to some Crazy Ex Girlfriend or shall we go to our Drag Race uh, lip sync? No, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, please and thank you. Indeed. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Oh, this is gonna be bad. It's not like movie fighting. Testosterone is rising. But you're really just grappling and writhing. Oh, real life fighting is our word. There are no cool sound effects. Punching doesn't sound like anything. Oh, oh my. You often hurt yourself more than you Uh, hurt the other uh, guy. Real life fighting is awkward, yeah. Even if you know karate. You have to both agree to use karate. Kia! Kia! Oh, wow. Can't just be one guy using karate. You gotta have some ground rules. (laughs) That was Real Life Fighting is Awkward. Crazy ex-girlfriend, which Noel, like, I think I laughed more at the cats thing when they did it. Um, I, cause I, I just said, I just like, like, I, I would have done a spit take had I been drinking water at the time when that happened. This one, I just like giggled maniacally and then immediately like bothered my friends and family to make them watch it as soon as I could. And just like, so I could watch them watch it because it was so delightful. Um, there were uh, several choices for, for excellent music this week on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and we will be talking about this week's episode shortly. But we're going to kick these off, actually, with the premiere of Miracle Workers, two weeks, which is debuting its seven-episode, like, I guess, one-season one run, in theory, on TBS. Noel's going to talk about that. Then we'll talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, episode 13, I Have to Get Out. Then we'll, then Noel will talk just a bit, give a little bit of a preview of One Day at a Time Season 3 before our chat next week, um, where we'll do a deep dive. And then we'll go over to Full Frontal with Samantha B, February 13, 2019, and bid a fond adieu to a very significant element of the show for us. Then I'll talk briefly about I Am the Night, Dark Flower, Dark, Dark Flower and we'll round things out with RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, Sex and the Kitty Girl. So first up is Miracle Workers. And I... Oh, a, a side note, tangent. I am now, I've come around on Busy Tonight, and I am entirely charmed by it. And a not insignificant part of that was watching Dan Radcliffe go on Busy Tonight to to uh, push for Miracle Workers. And just, I feel like they've really honed in on the tone of that show, and I'm actually super on board now. Um, if, if he's anywhere near as charming and entertaining on Miracle Workers as he was on Busy Tonight, I'm gonna really like this show uh so is he's playing an angel who's trying to stop god from demolishing the earth because he's over it and ready to do his new thing which is a restaurant right and in order to to get god to not demolish the earth and make a restaurant they have to fulfill an impossible wish which is basically to hook up two people two humans two very awkward humans 
this is the basic premise. This is all I know about this show, other than Steve Buscemi is God. And Dan Radcliffe and a cast of familiar faces play the main angels. Um, is there any, is that like a good read of what the show actually is? Or are there other things going on? And I mean, that's a really solid premise. Does it live up to that premise? No, the premise is really good. And the the premiere is pretty darn funny, I think. Um, Daniel, Radcl- Daniel Radcliffe does play uh, Craig, who's this kind of low-level angel that um, answers prayers. But he only answers prayers that are achievable in certain ways. So you watch him at this computer terminal, slowly melting ice so that this woman can find her keys or slowly <laughs> blowing away leaves. So someone can find his glove um, because these are, these are prayers that can be answered without sort of like causing catastrophic events. Mm-hmm. Um, but Eliza, who's played by uh, Geraldine Vis this wanton um, transfers from the department of dirt into this area. And she's the one that spurs on a lot of this. Like she accidentally causes a typhoon by causing um, a rainstorm to save these people's crops. And then everyone dies sort of in the process. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This is that kind of a butterfly effect thing. So there, there's this nice little concept of heaven as a bureaucracy here. And that God is just very, very tired of being in charge and being the guy, basically. Um, the preview for it show the promo for the season shows a lot more really good stuff in the pipeline regarding what God's deal is. But basically everything that you just said in terms of God's going to destroy the earth in two weeks, unless Craig, Eliza, and some other folks can get these two folks, two humans, to get together um, to kiss. They don't have to have sex, I think, but they definitely have to. Ha- they definitely have to at least have a pretty good kiss, and that's it. And that's that's the run point of like the premiere is to get to that point. Also, if Eliza fails, not only does if Eliza and Craig fail, not only does God destroy the planet, but Eliza has to eat a worm the entire thing and pretend that she likes it. This is God's other condition. Um, so That's awesome. So high stakes and deliciously low stakes. Yeah. Together. I like this. Right. Because God is like obsessed with betting hundos as he keeps calling it. Um, so it's just, he's, he doesn't really care that much about the earth being saved, but he very much cares about whether or not Eliza is going to eat this worm. And so I like this concept and Buscemi is really good as this kind of washed out, fed out, fed up kind of uh, slacker kind of guy. You can see why they wanted Owen Wilson for this originally, but Buscemi brings it like a little bit of more somberness to it that I appreciate. It's much more interesting casting at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Radcliffe's really good, charming and awkward and someone who his department of answering prayers is not expanded as the world has expanded. So it's just one person for all the billions of people who pray to God, um, as opposed to, you know, a much larger staff. So he's got like this kind of jittery, nervous energy to him of being isolated for so long. So that's really, really good. And there's just a lot of really good energy here from everyone across the board. And so I'm really excited to see more of this because uh, I, I just, it's really fun um, and it's very funny. 
Um, I'm trying not to get hung up on, like, splicing too many hairs about, well, let's talk about the theological concepts of different denominations and how this is all working out, because it's really kind of difficult to suss that particular thing out with this um, show, but I also don't think the show's super interested in answering that question, so it's very much kind of a big picture concept of what God is doing. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask how this compares to, like, The Good Place in terms of its like realized, fully realized concept of the afterlife, or is, is it, it doesn't touch on that stuff. It's not touching about on the theological and the philosophical. Yeah, no, it's less interested in that and more interested in just t- turning heaven into a workplace. So we see like when God's declaring that he's going to destroy earth, you see all the different departments tearing down their plans for things, including talking dogs in 2020, um, super immortal humans in 2038, all this kind of stuff that they were planning to roll out. Um, but God is like, nope, we're just going to destroy the earth. So we don't need that anymore. Um, that's what they're going for. It is this kind of workplace sort of comedy as opposed to a larger sort of theological or philosophical sort of approach. And now the other creative force behind this is, of course, Henry Rich, who people will know from, um, he's a writer, but he also was behind and the creator of Man Seeking Woman, which ran for three years, underseen, but really creative and interesting. Um, Is there any tonal overlap with that or is this more its own thing? I feel like this is more of its own thing. Uh, This is also based on the book that he wrote. Um, Mm. So, and I haven't read the book. Um, It doesn't feel as connected to Man Seeking Woman, even tonally, really, to me. Um, But you also spent a lot more time with Man Seeking Woman than I did. So you may be able to tell me um, when you watch this, if you feel, see any threads. Yeah, I will. I mean, obviously, having reviewed it over at the AV Club, uh, at least for part of its run, I, I'm sure I, if there are threads there, I'm sure I'll be picking up on them. So I look forward to catching up on this one. I'm sure I'll be ready to talk about it next week. Um, but I'm certainly intrigued from what you've said. And yeah, I mean, every ad I see for this, I think of Owen Wilson as God. And I go, yeah, he wanted on a good job. But like, the semi is just so much more interesting of a choice. It brings, there's so much more layer, layered, like a, like, weird odd energy you know as opposed to just a straightforward charming broy energy um i mean wilson has some of that too but when, when i think of the semi it's just such a different thing than boardwalk empire which of course is his last big tv role um i'm glad that he's choosing projects that are or at least this project that is playing into that eccentricity and um just a, just like a little off center a little off filter um it's it's a nice it's a, it's a nice direction for him to be moving in, and I hope that we get to see him in more comedies like this. I mean, he was so great in 30 Rock. <laughs> I would love to see him stick more to comedy for a while, at least on TV. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there's plenty here for you to look forward to and kind of really enjoy. So so more on it next week. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, let's talk about real life fighting is awkward and crazy ex-girlfriend, I have to get out. We also, of course, need to talk about that big Lala Land inspired number uh antidepressants are for everyone or so not a big deal or so not a big deal thank you um because i i'm a little like on the fence about how i feel about that one but i know i love real life fighting is awkward did you love this one as much as i did or is that just just me i think you loved it more than i did i i appreciated it but it's also one of those things within the context of why are they in quarantine this is really stupid as much as i love that little the little (laughs) cough boy (laughs) dance for cough boy um the whole (laughs) the whole thing of like them getting them to this point of like 
putting them in quarantine together is just really tired. And the real life fighting is awkward for me isn't enough to save that whole sequence in any way, shape or form. And I also don't know that I really cared that much about Greg and Josh's relationship. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, this is amusing. I don't care. Let's talk about, let's just instead focus on Daryl and Mindy St. Clair hooking up instead. Can we talk about that for a little bit longer? Because I want to talk about that (laughs) show. (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm also very excited about that. Uh, you better believe. Um, for you know, like, this is a show that has always been like, yeah, we're keeping Valencia around, even though it doesn't make sense because we like the actor. So deal with it. <laughs> and so that that's very much what this episode is doing. They like like it might as well have had little Coughlin like wear a lampshade <laughs> as he walks in <laughs> when he runs in and coughs on people very specifically. Um, but I was, I mean, I'm yeah. just so willing to go with them on these things. That uh, I was a pre- like I absolutely hear where you're coming from and I see everything you're saying, um, but for me, uh, yeah, I was just enjoying watching how some of the characters have changed and grown and some of them have not and the ways that they continue to develop. I mean, I feel like Nathan is in such a different place than he would have been at the start of the season. Even um, wait, Nathaniel, sorry. Coldman. Um, and, and so watching him just like in the background of real life fighting is awkward, trying to like diffuse was really entertaining for me. And even just on like a stunt level, it's nice to see them give Vincent Rodriguez Jr. like the third, sorry, something more yeah. to do um, than what he usually, you know, is left with. Um, and I also, of course, enjoyed the cameo from the actual yeah. choreographer um, on the show. So, so yes, I definitely, it feels like I definitely like that part more than you did, but let's talk about uh, Daryl and Mindy St. Clair, who is going to be Mindy St. Clair. I mean, I'm very confident <laughs> for the rest of the season. Maybe by the end of the season, I will be invested in her name, but right now her name is Mindy St. Clair. And uh, I, I thought they were, they were meat cute was very cute and, uh, and not so much meat more bean dippy. Um, did that work for you? Was it because that's equally contrived? Like, there's no way it was completely unbelievable. There's another person who also has been dipped. I mean, but I don't care because I just want Daryl to be happy. Right, and that's kind of what it boils down to: is that yes, this is also equally contrived and more than a little ridiculous than squirrel flu, squirrel virus, whatever it is. Um, but it's because I like Daryl so much <laughs> that I'm mm-hmm. like. I'm willing to roll with that. And that speaks to like how we approach any number of things of like, no, this is really tired, but the execution of it's really good. Or I care more about this character. So I'm willing to make allowances for that kind of a thing. And that is kind of where this falls, even down to the fact of the kids hating one another and then teaming up and parent trapping their parents in quarantine so that they have to spend time together. Um, which also, who's going to pick those kids up from the hospital? <laughs> yeah, detail, detail. Um, yeah, it, it was cute. I like that. Um, there, after showing, like, I like that again. This is a way for the show to really embrace Daryl uh, as bi, and so show introducing his next love interest after you know Yjo, who you know that's hashtag goals, right? <laughs> Daryl and Yjo. Um, to then have his next love interest be a woman again and not for it to not feel like it like this is like him reverting or like it's just just another person he's interested in I feel like a lot of times when they introduce that characters are queer on tv shows um, or develop that as part of the progression of of the show 
shows I, I shows seem to have a hard time with with uh, bi characters, at least the ones that I've seen, and maybe I'm watching the wrong shows. But when characters come out as as bi, they're like, okay, well, here's an opportunity for our our character to our female character to make out with another chick for for ratings, and then immediately go back to only dating guys ever, <laughs> um, or uh, or or vice versa. Um, and um, so I like that they are. I mean, it seems like at least that they're really taking that into consideration and the timing of how long Daryl's been single, like how you get a sense of um, his social life, you know, from the way they've handled the last several episodes um, and like down to him, like the cocoon, right, of, of ease and comfort when he, he and Josh were throwing water on each other. Um, so I think that they're handling that really well. And I'm excited to see him, you know, as a character who is the second most romantic of the cast. Um, I'm excited to see him get a full-on love interest arc for the end of the show. Yeah, I am too. I'm hoping, I'm really curious about how this is going to play out, and I'm excited about it, and I'm hoping it means that we get a Daryl number uh, before the season wraps up. And yeah, so I'm just excited about it. And for the reasons that you enumerated about like, they've really given Daryl some time to breathe after uh, things with Josh, White Josh kind of leveled out. And so I really appreciate that they've, like you said, have given him that space and that time to sort of figure himself, not figure himself out necessarily, but figure out where he is in his life and what he's looking for. Yeah. And I really like that. Where he's emotionally, yeah. you know, after a long-term, very serious relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we need to talk about Rebecca and uh, Dr. Copian. <laughs> uh, and by the way, another thing I was loving about the, jo- the, the, the Josh and Greg and Nathaniel stuff is I love Josh still being, you know, rather dim and slow. Um, and the other guys commenting on that about certain things, but also, you know, repping with the therapy cred, you know, I, I love that. And, um, the, you know, have him talking about his experiences in therapy, really helping him understand other people was, was great. Um, but to get back to our doctor, our main doctor, Copian, um, I thought that the La La Land number was super fun, but I'm not sure how I feel about an overly peppy, kind of false seeming, stagey number being the, it's okay to take antidepressants. It's healthy and appropriate and lots of people around them. because. It can't help but for me to feel like a commentary on antidepressants making you falsely happy and uh, and kind of jittery and and uh, in a heightened reality. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's what they're going for, but the thread was there for me. What, what did you think? Yeah, I, um, so I, I like this number and I like the concept of this number, but one of the things that was challenging is exactly what you say is that it it's really difficult to sort of do this really peppy PSA sort of approach to destigmatizing antidepressants in this very big primary color sort of way while paying a little bit of attention to the fact that dosages need to be adjusted, different prescriptions need to be tried. Um, but it doesn't really dig into that as much as they probably should. And yeah. so it's really kind of squishy in terms of, I really like it, but also there's another angle to this that we're not dealing with in any way, really. 
Um, and that's sort of difficult to sort of navigate. And while narratively they've acknowledged the fact that Rebecca struggles with finding the right dosage, finding the right drugs, um, sort of like pushing this concept of the destigmatization of it, I think is good, but there's still the other side of it that needs to be explored also in a song, I think, that this doesn't get. Yeah, I did like that they are so forward with the, you know, you might have to try a different drug, you might have to try a different dosage, and like some different Mm -hmm. things, like, that is great to see that included here. Um, And it just continues to show his track record of thoughtful depictions of mental health. Um, But yeah, it was just like, I don't know, when you're talking about destigmatizing antidepressants, it seems weird to, to choose like the thing that makes it seem like straight up happy meals. So uh, yeah, but I do think it's a really important theme for them to talk, talk about and like step for Rebecca. And I, I know when I, um, when I was in college, I had, it was in a quintet for one part of, of my undergrad and we were, you know, the other uh, women in the group with me, uh, it, was, it was five women. Um, we're talking, we're talking about various things and the topic of mental health came up and, uh, and being on antidepressants. And I found that I was the only person in the group who had not at some point been on like a significant dosage or some like needed, very much needed uh, antidepressant. And it was just mind boggling to me because I had at that point, I didn't know that I knew people on antidepressants because it was so shamed and not talked about. Um, so like, if, <laughs> especially amongst younger people, I would imagine as, as norms in society change. It, it is a very prevalent thing. It is normal. It is, you know, I love the, the line in the song about like, yeah, they didn't need, a, uh, didn't use antidepressants for hundreds of years, thousands of years, but you know, they also did the crusades. <laughs> they also did lots of killing each other. Man, that wasn't that great. <laughs> um, so maybe we should try this. Um, I, I really appreciated that. And I do think it's an essential topic. Like the more we don't talk about these things, the more people think feel isolated and think that they're they're um, somehow different or less than the rest of the population. Um, so, I, so I just I absolutely loved the idea of the number, and I think it's a great thing for the show to examine. I just look forward to. I mean, I, I, I would assume they're not done with this topic because that wouldn't be in keeping for Crazy Girlfriend. Um, but but I you know. I look forward to the next chapter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I've, and I think that's what I want, too, is the next chapter. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No, no, I'm all set, except for the fact I did really enjoy... I'm not really a dancer, I'm more of a singer that moves. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and yeah, so like, and of course, thinking back to Santino Fantana um, and the various... The, 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 um, tap that ass dance number you're like oh that's cute <laughs> you move you're a singer who moves and he is a dancer ah oh, good times speaking of singers that move and dancers uh one day at a time has dropped season three and they started the season with their big guest star palooza with uh don't think about their ages <laughs> family members played by, uh, played by uh gloria estevan stephanie beatrice and melissa tamaro um I, that's all i know about the season other than like it's apparently also very good. So do you, what, what do you have to say, Nola's like a tease for our conversation next week? Should I be more hyped? Should I be less hyped? How does this season compare to the rest of One Day at a Time, which of course, as listeners will know, we both love. Right. I think this season's really, really good. Um, I think that they're a little 
heavy handed in planting some seeds for the end of the season um, uh-huh. really aggressively. But at the same time, it's one of those things where I don't care because the payoff's <laughs> really good. Alex gets grounded pretty early in the season and um, his grounding basically remains in place for the entire season, which is sort of how we judge time because um, he's grounded for a very long time. <laughs> And it's really helpful in terms of like deci- determining what everything is, how everything is happening, and the speed at which things is ha- are happening. Um, since so much happens off screen for us, but generally the show works really well without it having veering into very special episode type stuff. Um, so I think that you should be pretty excited. There's a really good like episode about. Uh, first times um, and parental communication about that. Uh, there's good stuff uh, regarding everything Stephen Topolsky does in this show is golden and that continues. <laughs> um, but generally there's a lot of like character movement and character progression here, even from Alex, um, who is a character that I think the show has generally really, really struggled to know what to do with. But through his ground, through his groundment, he becomes a little more grounded um, and important to the family in a way that I don't really feel like he has been in the past. So hopefully, like, next season, um, he'll really, that character will come into his own. Um, but it'll also be really uh, amusing when Marcel Ruiz, who plays Alex, is as tall as Todd Grinnell, who plays Schneider, and everyone's just like, that's going to be so weird. Because <laughs> um, he's gotten very tall in this season. <laughs> Um, so I think it's really good. I think it's really funny. And I think that there's plenty of stuff to look forward to and a lot of like character and emotional resolution also for like, um, Elena and her dad. And so there's just lots of really good stuff here. And we do get the penny centered, um, health episode this this time dealing with like anxiety Mm -hmm. and that episode is also really really good and i'll be curious to see what you think about it okay well i'm really looking forward to watching and that's my plan my plan for tomorrow is to sleep as much as i possibly can to try to quash this cold (laughs) and whenever i'm not sleeping or practicing i will be watching one day at a time (laughs) so hopefully it'll be my my television um chicken soup uh, which I feel like is appropriate for this show. It's like perfect deployment. So yeah, I think so. Yeah, really yeah. looking forward to that. Uh, I am not looking forward to something that apparently happened uh, was announced on Full Frontal with Samantha B this week. Uh, the episode is February 13, twenty nineteen. So so what is, what happened on Full Frontal? So the episode is like kind of just fine. I wasn't like really feeling it, and then like it comes back for the end where Sam normally does like a quick uh, like send off. And Ashley Nicole Black is standing next to her. I'm just like, oh, cool. Okay, we're going to hype something that Ashley Nicole Black's, like, been dispatched to go do. It's going to be cool. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And they're just like, no, sorry. This was Ashley's last week. She's done. And she's going on to other projects. And I just went, no! And made, made like, grasping hands at the tele... At, well, my computer screen. And I was very sad about this. And then they showed a montage of Ashley Nicole Black's various field report segments, including um, her doing the scandal riffs with uh, Stacey Abrams, um, going around Atlanta apologizing to black people. <laughs> um, but mainly... Um, they really hyped up her sheer fangirlingness of when she got to meet Cory Booker 
and just the entirety of that whole conversation and just a lot of clips that probably didn't I don't remember if they made it to air or not so like filmed while they were like doing setups and that kind of thing um and ending basically with the fact of Samantha asking her well when you become first lady please please yeah. don't forget the little people <laughs> So I it's it's very bittersweet. Like I'm really glad Ashley Nicole Black is going on to like do other projects, but she is as Samantha B acknowledges one of the people that really kind of shaped the show's tone and perspective in a really aggressive way. And so losing her feels like losing a big part of the show. So I'm just I'm very sad about this. Yeah, no, I she I think that's an excellent point. Um there is that group of comment of commenters that they bring on their for the forum um, that really influence the tone of the show and the voice of the show. And it you know it's the changing of the guard that happens in any of these uh, late night comedy talk shows kind of things. Which this full frontal hasn't really felt like that. And unlike say last week tonight, the whole show has really centered on the like there's they've really used the the correspondence in a way that these other late night shows haven't outside of, you know, the ones that have guests, you know what I mean? So like the, uh, Minaj show, the Michelle Wolf show, the John Oliver show, none of them really use correspondence, um, in the same way. And so having like a graduating class, you know, um, is, is interesting. And, and, and so seeing how the show responds to that, who they bring in, uh, whether they promote somebody who's already on the writing staff or if it's, um, to, to do on camera or if it's um, like a new person that, that they bring in and seeing if that shapes the tone of some of their coverage will, will definitely be interesting. Um, Ashley Nicole Black, among other things, is going to be on a TBS uh, miniseries, I would assume a comedy, called uh, Puffy, starring as, uh, as Nettie. So it's the description here, overweight and overconfident, 30-something Annette Nettie Hedke decides to openly embrace her abundance and comes out to the world as a fat person. When she's met with a range of reactions, um, she discovers that her weight is a heavy matter for everyone but her. So that's a, that's a new pilot that, you know, I would imagine, unless it's horrible, <laughs> will get picked up. And and uh, and I certainly am in, interested based on PBS's comedy track record and the fact that it's our session full black, which is excellent uh, casting. It's nice to see her get to, you know, stretch her legs uh, as more of an actor than just as a, uh, writer and comedian. So I'm sure that she will have many great things ahead of her. Uh, and one of them I will certainly be watching if it gets picked up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Same. So, yeah, I'm going to miss her though. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do next, but we should move on unless there's anything else about full frontal you wanted to talk about. Nope. 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 I'm all set. Let's move on to then quickly. I am the night just because it's creepy. <laughs> I don't want to linger in this episode. The episode is called Dark Flower, and we're starting our tiptoe towards Black Dah the Black Dahlia. Uh, of course, the the miniseries has really stayed on the uh, like the, the current timeline so far, and this episode starts to make those ties back to the in initial uh, Hodel case. Um, and sort of gives some more backstory for Singletary, uh, Chris Pine's character, uh, that really is very effective and interesting. Also, we get, I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe the boyfriend from Russian Doll is, shows, is the cop on I Am The Night, right? 
the crouch top? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, freaking scary. <laughs> this episode, uh, I yeah, I totally believed a thing that that he that he was going to fall through on a thing. Um, uh, but the the thing that really stands out, of course, is that they start to introduce the really screwed up um, backstory of George Hodel. And for those who don't know, uh, let's just say that our villain in Chinatown was inspired in a very meaningful way by Hodel, uh, or at least allegedly. So, uh, yeah, that's all I need to say. Creepy sex party stuff. Um, and But the way that the material is handled is appropriately disturbing and off-putting. Um, it is sh- continues to be shot really effectively. Like, the, the design for the, like, skull thing that he's wearing um, the deer head antler thing, but also very vaginal. Um, and I mean, obviously he's the character's a gynecologist, uh, is really creepy, uh, and also super believable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I look forward to your thoughts once you've had a chance to see this episode. Um, but yeah, it was super creepy. Also, I feel like somebody should have told them, um, Hey guys, Hannibal did it first (laughs) about their, their cello, person cello mock-up art thing which of course there's not an actual person it's mm-hmm. just like a mannequin but um but yeah i saw a few people talking about that um, and, and uh and, and just different reviews of this and no one mentioned hannibal and i was like what is wrong with you guys how do you not re- remember the cultural like the clear antecedents of this it was a very memorable tableau um but uh but yeah it was it was appropriately like the tone was appropriately dark i don't know if how much harder it's gonna get to watch as this season like wrap goes into its second half and gets you know it's got to get more intense like as they start uncovering more things it's not gonna get cheerier (laughs) but um so far they're handling that part well and uh very glad I'm not binging the show because uh, one a week is just right. Well, no, that's good. Um, I only got to watch a little bit of this and then had to stop. So I'm I'm excited to get back to it because the opening I was just like, oh, we're we're gonna get creepy now. Okay, <laughs> it's time for getting creepy, and yes, it is, and yes, they do. Um, yeah. So more on this later. But let's go to our last week, uh, our last episode. Sorry, in the week of TV, and that is the penultimate episode of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars: Sex and the Kitty Girl. Um, now, as we record this, the finale has not aired. I have seen all but the reveal of who is eliminated, uh, or sorry, who is crowned. But I don't know who's been crowned. I have some thoughts. Um, but by the time you guys hear this, you will know who the winner is. So you know. Hopefully we don't sound too foolish as we discuss this. But what did you think of their penultimate challenge? Um, and did you agree with who got control? So the challenge is fine. Um, I don't think it's... I'm always real iffy on these acting challenges um, because it's one of those things where you just need to do the basics really to kind of get through the acting challenges on drag race, even on all stars. It's know your lines, bring enough energy, find something interesting here and do it. Especially if you've got the Cynthia Nixon role. <laughs> um, yeah. Or the Charlotte role too. Or the Charlotte role too. Right. Um, so I think that that's kind of where it where it was for me is like, all right, if you can find something interesting, especially within this sort of capacity, you're going to win. Because that's how all of these go. If you get saddled with a thankless role and you find a way to make it really big, 
that's your winner, which is why I was just like, Naomi, why are you picking the lead here? Um, <laughs> like, well, the, my strongest reaction was when they were going through the script um, and Monique was like, I don't know the show, but I'm going to be Keijo because obviously this is the part written for someone to win with, you know, like clearly that's what this role is. If you come in late, but you really destroy it, you will be the funniest part of the, of the show. You will be the highest energy. You will be the most extreme and bra- most brash. And that is what always wins these challenges. So, um, and I think because she was less familiar with Sex and the City than the other queens, she didn't feel like she needed to be one of the four main. She was like, okay, guest recurring, popping up for like one short scene, fine, but this is the smart scene to pick. I thought it showed a lot of awareness and uh, was very, uh, very, a very smart and canny move because the other queens were all fighting over the Kim Control role, which was the other role that was going to win. Um, and, and so I thought it was very smart of her to just like be like, yoink, this one's for me. Right. And I appreciated the edit of like everyone sort of dismissing the choices in the t- like the table read and go- me going, I think you were, I think you all haven't watched an episode of RuPaul- RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> because this is how this always goes. And then <laughs> type of thing. Um... So, yeah, generally, though, the sketch was kind of difficult to watch and also just in terms of enjoyment. Um, The bit with the clown stuff at the Met Gala I thought was okay, but just the -the behind-the-scenes stuff was kind of flat, and then it it just didn't really click for me in any way, shape, or form. And so it made the episode a little bit of a slog until basically we got to the um, runway looks to which I went, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> for a lot of it. Um, <laughs> oh, I like this runway. I thought it was, well, some of them. Um, yeah, no. I think Trinity and um, I like Naomi's uh, was fun. Monique's Puss and Boots. It was amazing. No, no. Oh, I was about to get there. I was, like, going in order. Just, oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes. No, you're right. Those are yeah. definitely the three best. And then I just kind of, like, went, oh, trees. No. No, that that is that is not that is not that is not the look. That is not a look. I did like her hair. I like that that is such a different look for her. And apparently, if you watch Monet Expose this week, which is the web series that Monet Exchange has been doing, where she talks about behind the scenes of filming, that was actually Monet's wig from the the start of the season. Record a song like group girl, a girl group, sorry, song that she. So that's the same wig. So I was like, oh, that's why it was such a different look because it wasn't actually Latrice's. Now, Latrice, I'm asked to borrow it and incorporate it and style it and all that stuff. I'm not taking that away from Latrice. But I was like, oh, it's so refreshing to see her in something other than a uh, like a, a very uh, sculpted look or a sleek updo. This is like different. It's like flowy and crimped. And I really liked it. Um, and I was like, oh, because it's not the, it's just not something that she brought. And that's why it felt refreshing and different. Oh, yeah the hair is good but the rest of it is not so um and we gotta talk about that pink panther because i had no idea that is what she was going for at all oh i had i recognized this pink panther immediately i'm i i understand like where people were coming from with like the thing about the ears except for the fact that the pink panther has like those weird kind of circle ears 
Um, the problem is, is like, even though it's sort of there in the makeup and how it's being shot over and contour, it doesn't have like the elongated snout to offset and really sell it. So it does end up looking like a pink mouse as a result because of you don't have the snout basically, um, that Pink Panther carries. So no, I recognize it as Pink Panther immediately. I had no idea what she was doing at all. And I, and I say that as, you know, I really like the Pink Panther. I've seen movies many times. I've show, I used it in, uh, when I did a, a, a film music class for some of my students many years ago. It was one of the films that we used for that to analyze, to like understand the use of mu- music in, in scoring and comedies. Um, and so I, I've got a big place in my heart for the Pink Panther. Uh, but I never would have guessed that. And like, you're so much kinder than I am because while her makeup that she did looked terrific, it did not look at all like the Pink Panther to me. Like it did not look like a cartoon and the, like the, the contouring and the shading of her face does not match the Pink Panther. Like the parts that are usually light on the Pink Panther cartoon was dark and vice versa. And then the, I mean, Monet, it was serving curves like she always does. And the Pink Panther is a stick. Like, it's a very, like, he's a very, like, straight line kind of character. So I would, I like, not, there's the nose thing. The not having, if, 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 if there had been whiskers, that would have really helped too. But there were, so there were no whiskers. The nose, um, Monet didn't, like, forgot to paint one part of the, of the, her design for the nose. So that didn't help. I didn't read the sparkly panther, like, print things as panthers at all i was like why are there crescent sparkles all over her like (laughs) it did not work for me at all but i do recommend that listeners if they haven't go on uh to i think it's instagram but search up nina benina brown's pink panther look because she's been like posting her own takes on some of these runways and she slayed uh, a makeup like a like a look for Pink Panther, and she did like a two, like a femme mask thing. So like the, she did a mask one that had uh, like he, it, like in a suit, like a white suit, and then she did a more femme, um, like cat ears kind of thing, and they look amazing. I was like, oh yeah, I would have immediately said, you're trying to be a cat, <laughs> a Pink Panther. Oh, that's right, there's a character named this. So yeah, I was like, if she gets sent home right now, I'm okay with it because this. Runway look is so bad for me. Um, so I'm glad that I wasn't in charge because money is fabulous. And it was Latrice's time. Well, yeah, and it was Latrice's time on a couple of different levels. The 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 main reason being like it's just Latrice just hasn't really been there. Latrice um, should have gone home a couple weeks ago and Manila should still be in it. Exactly. Yeah. That that is that is the thing. But it's also the fact that Trinity knows, knew that it was like, well, if I don't send Latrice home, she's going to win this thing, even though she yeah. doesn't deserve it from a competition standpoint. Rue's going to give it to her anyway. So she's got to go. Because um, now it's mine. It's Trinity's now, basically. Like, if Trinity doesn't win, I have questions. <laughs> well, we will, of course, have lots to say uh, next week once the, the finale has aired. And Well, two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, no, no next, next week. week yeah. Next week, yeah. No. Um, yeah. Now, do you... Oh, and I interrupted you. Did you want to say anything about Monique's? I thought, like... That's the, so one of the best looks Monique's ever done. Yeah, I think I think it is one of the best looks Monique's done this entire season. Or even, like, going back to, like, her season, I still think this is probably one of the best ones. That makeup was 
flawless. Yeah, it was super good. Like, um, I remember, like, my first and I were both just like, what is she doing to her face? In, <laughs> in the process of, like, getting it all set. And then she came out and we were just like, oh, that's what she was doing. That looks good. And so it just, it worked really, really well. Um, so I was really glad to see it, see, see that. I loved the hat. The proportions were, like, just right. I thought that was yeah. awesome. I think the sword could have been better. Cause it didn't. It didn't yeah, really it register. could have been a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, like more savory. You know, I think would have worked. But um, I don't know how you'd like. It might be kind of clunky to walk with. But yeah, that was the. I would change out the sword prop. Yeah, but otherwise, I I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was terrific. And I, those white whiskers just do so much to sell the look. Um, yeah, the prosthetics on the face were really really good. Um, any other thoughts? On this episode, are you so you're you're voting? You would say Team Trinity, right? Yeah, I think tr- this should go to Trinity, but we also all know deep down in our hearts that it should go to Manila. So yeah. there's also that aspect of it. No, I'm if Trinity doesn't win, I'll have questions. Well, I have a question for you. Okay, um, what do you think about the concerns that we already have three white blonde queens in the All Star Hall of Fame? I made that point at the end of the last All-Star season. You pointed out to me that the person who won third season is, like, some degree Native American. And Trixie is Native American. I don't think. Is she? No, that's what you told me. Oh, she, yeah, she's half of Ojibwe. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Touche, but presents white. Yes, yes. Okay, so <laughs> let me rephrase the question. How do you feel okay. <laughs> about, especially following on directly from um, the last All-Stars where there were uh, a final four with three black queens and one queen who is half of Jibwe but presents white. Um, if, Trix, if, if Trinity wins, it will be the same thing, only not someone who is half of Jibwe, a Native American, but is just white. Is that a, is that a concerning element is that something to take into consideration or is that not appropriate to take into consideration i think it's entirely appropriate to take into consideration and this is sort of like where the show's overall manipulation of its edit and just the general sort of brand aspect of it comes into play of what do you want to represent for this quote-unquote hall of fame sort of aspect and this gets into a larger issue of the fact that we need to stop churning out all uh, stars every season, um, mm-hmm. but I think that it's a definite issue, though. Like from a competition standpoint, Trinity deserves to win. But from a branding standpoint, do you re- do you really do you need do you need that? No, you don't. Um, so I think that that's where the issue comes down is like how much of this is a competition, how much of this is brand extension development. And yeah. that, I think, is a larger thing to consider. And I'm sure it's something that's being discussed, which is also probably why this season was geared so much to make sure that Latrice won. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very strongly. Um, yeah, it's it's really is interesting. Like, they had, did they not see what was happening when they were filming it and be like, we need to pivot? I have to assume no. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. Well, regardless of what happens, it's been an entertaining season. Um, I think there was like a little, I'm more raised eyebrow about the second half of the season. 
But I think most of the season has been really interesting, terrific challenges, very creative adjustments to the the structure. Um, I did not need the Lola Perusa in the middle. I think that that was kind of a, a little bungled. But there have been terrific lip syncs for most of the season. Um, usually the right person went home. And all the queens just really delivered on runway. And most of the queens delivered on most of the challenges. So, I mean, I feel like this has really been a good like restrengthening of the all-stars brand, assuming they stick the landing. I mean, especially, especially after all the, you know, the, the, everything that went down in all-stars three. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's fair. It's, yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair, but I'm also of the opinion that we need to just let all-stars rest for a little while, just from a talent pool sort of perspective of like giving it some time. Well, and also just not tiring, you know, like not overtaxing the Golden Goose. I mean, because we're yeah. going into season 11 two weeks from now. Yeah, I know, which is ridiculous. Are you going to watch season 11 or are you going to take a break? Um, No, I'll probably watch it because um, my person, I think, is really enjoying it. And it helps having someone else to watch it with. Um, If I didn't have someone else to watch it with, I'd probably step away. Are you excited for Miss Vangie? Your person doesn't know Miss Vangie. What? Okay, Miss Vangie's coming back. Oh, I didn't know Vanjie was coming back. Uh, no, my person is not familiar with Miss Vanjie. Though I did have to explain that reference to her when someone made it <laughs> earlier, and she just went, Lady Bunny. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, I had to do that. So, and she was just like, I don't understand what's happening. I just went, oh, no, so it's this thing. Let me show you a clip. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is something that everyone said for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it still makes me tickled. Yeah, I still enjoy it. Um, well, I'm very excited for, I mean, I also am a little concerned about Drag Race fatigue. Um, but, you know, VH1 wants to keep churning out the seasons. We'll see what happens. Um, I was a little surprised that we got such a quick turnaround to start season 11. But hopefully we'll have a break between 11 and more All-Stars. And I would be all for having a year off even, but I kind of doubt they're going to do that. No, they're not. Yeah. Well, what wins your week in TV? Uh, One Day at a Time Season 3 easily wins my week in TV. It's funny, it's heartfelt, it's everything you want from One Day at a Time. And yeah, what about you? Real life fighting is awkward. Real life fighting is awkward. <laughs> I'm just like giggling, thinking if they're doing the pirouettes, and then they're like, and it's just like trying to like, and the, the scalpel, and then like all, all of a sudden everything gets like super real for a second. Like, <laughs> yes. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend definitely wins my week in TV. So I look forward to catching up, you know, of like the three or four things that I watched this week. That was going to be the winner. But um, with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend taking a break next week, it's on hiatus for the next like month or so. Uh, that should open up the door to a few other things. So I'm looking forward to having it more of a fight, more, more, of, more contenders to the what wins the week in TV discussion. Um, and I will say that for me, uh, I mean, I would, wouldn't even give it to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend this week. I will give it to our show that we're about to spotlight. So with that tease, let's take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back with our deep dive on Russian Doll. Hopefully just Russian Doll, but maybe Russian Doll season one? We'll be right back after this. Let's fuck this party in the mouth. Sweet birthday, baby! No, life's short, carpe diem, et cetera, right? What I do in my time? My business, my choice, baby. Sweet birthday, baby. What was I 
just doing? What? What do you mean? I'm out of here. Sweet birthday, baby. What is in this? Stay away from me. I'm coming down the stairs. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, that's dark. Are you going to tell me what's going on? I keep dying and reliving the same night. Does it hurt? Yes. You seem fine. <laughs> I'm not fine. I'm questioning my own sanity. We got to take the fire escape. I Great. have a fire escape? I have to change my Airbnb oh, listing yeah. then. What was wrong with the stairs? It's a long story involving multiple deaths. Yeah, this is much safer. Huh. I never lasted this long. Those things are a menace. I'm having a very hard, never-ending night. Do we know each other? F*** off! Will you stop acting crazy? What are you doing? Should I call my guy at Bellevue? Is it the nicest psych ward? It's definitely the closest one. Hey, let me ask no. her! I look at you now, chasing down death. At every corner, fighting your way to the light. Do you still have that in you? I am not crazy! You know I hate it! Some people call me crazy! Didn't you get the news? We're about to die! That was a trailer for Netflix's new uh, comedy, I guess, show, um, half-hour show, Russian Doll, starring and created by Natasha Leone, along with Leslie Headland and uh, Amy Poehler. Uh, this stars uh, Natasha Leone as someone who is, um, who when she dies, wakes back up at the, the evening of her 36th birthday in the bathroom by herself and uh, is trying to figure out what is going on. It is a what hopefully one season, like miniseries, but we don't know. Maybe it'll get renewed. Barry got renewed and it shouldn't have, despite being really good. Um, but it is an eight episode look at following this character. And we're going to definitely need a spoiler and not spoiler section because I feel like, because for me, this show has been the, probably the most hyped show of this year. And for me, it lived up to that hype, absolutely. But I also think it's a show that benefits if you go in knowing nothing. So I'm just going to make talking about it, I think, a little tricky. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Noel? Did this live up to the hype for you? For the most part, yeah. I think it's really good. Um, I have sticky issues sort of with the ending um, and on, like, conflicted feelings about it but overall i think it's really good um it has a terrific amount of energy and there's some there's natasha leone is hey surprise really great in this um so i think that there's a lot to really really enjoy um in the show but yes the less you know the better off you sort of are even down to the fact of like the the Netflix autoplay trailer for this has Crimson and Clover playing, and you don't get to hear that at all in this. Um, <laughs> so even that is a misdirect. You don't have you don't get to listen to Crimson and Clover every time. Um, so I think that there's still there's a number of really really great things in this, and I'm eager to talk about it. But I think that the less you know is like the 
you're better off not knowing you're better off knowing as little as possible about this before you watch it yeah what can we say without spoiling anything um okay we can talk in generalities natasha leona is really good as we all expect um or not surprised by because she's always really good um the writing i think is really is really great and really rewards engaging with the show it doesn't fall into a lot of the time loop tropes that you might expect it's aware of them and uses some of them and doesn't use others um lampshades some and it, it has the it paces out the reveals and sort of what the experience of going through this is in a really uh, effective way so that right when you feel like the character should be getting annoyed with something or curious about something or bored with something they they do and so i think i think there's a lot of really smart writing in in this just even just from a craft perspective crafting a time loop episode which this isn't that but it's close enough um i, th I think that i was really impressed with that part of it um, cause we, and there's, I was impressed with other things too, but those are spoilery. So is there anything that was, you can think we can talk about at the top here that won't, that isn't a spoiler, but that is of interest. Well, I think you're right. I think that there's, I think that the sheer amount of craft, um, that gets put into this show is really the testament of things here. I think that they're restrained in a number of places, um, from how you're talking about what they do with the time loop to what they do for some stuff later on that they could have done, started doing a whole lot sooner than they actually do. Um, their willingness to wait and hold back on stuff, I think is really, really smart and that they were calibrated enough to know when to do things, mm -hmm. I think is really the most important thing about this show. Um, and you just don't, you don't always necessarily get like a first season sort of show that works like as finely tuned as this does. But at the same time, when you've got Natasha Leone and Amy Poehler and Leslie Headland um, creating the show, running it and working together, I think there's plenty of other things here that demonstrate that this was a group of people who knew exactly what they wanted to do and exactly how they wanted to do it. And they managed to do it even after they spent a lot of money getting the one song music rights that kind of limited their budget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's such a good choice. Uh, listeners, there's a song playing uh, when the loop starts. So you hear it a bunch of times. And so they, like you had to, choose that wisely you know it had to be a song that could live up to that many plays and could be used for different contexts and that could work in all of them comedic dramatic um like that could really endure being i guess used over and over and over again and the one they go with i think really works well um you see what else the character design is awesome i love her look I love her massive red hair. I love the um, some of the set design and like just the feel of the show. I think is interesting and and uh, speaks a lot to the characters. It's it's a fun world to spend some time in. 
Yeah, it is. Like, this gets back again to, the, like, the attention detail. How everyone's dressed from, like, Maxine, who's not his friend, who's throwing the party, um, to, um, who else's look? Uh, Lizzie, uh, with just, I loved Lizzie's outfit and whole deal very, very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that all of that works really, really well. And, um, the... The really careful attention to that kind of detail that they have in the costuming and everything, but also in terms of setting up the sets and the set design um, of the various locations that we end up spending a great deal of time in, um, those aspects of the show work really well as the show progresses in a way that the show is very much wanting you to notice. And I think that that's really good and it works really well here. Yeah. I will say the last thing for me that I feel like we can talk about before we get it into specifics, and, and maybe this will be what pivots us into that part of our discussion, is I think it's also like the perfect length. Eight episodes. Exactly how much time it needed to tell its story. There isn't really, I don't think there's too much fat on there, and it I didn't feel like I needed to know more about most of the, the characters. I felt It felt like it had a story, it told it, got got out in eight, and that has almost always been a problem for Netflix shows. So is this the the first like are you as as pleased with the episode order as I am, or do you have questions about the finale that maybe you think it should have ended before the last episode? Um a lot of my questions with the finale are both plot and tonal, so we can get into those. I think that the benefit of this is that eight episodes, and we should also note eight half-hour episodes, and not like yeah, Netflix four hours, not yeah. Netflix half-hour episodes. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking like a solid twenty-five minutes for like yes. most of them. So it's like, all right, no commercial breaks, sort of like episodes. Um, yeah, none of this Arrested Development nonsense. Right. Yeah. No, it's not a. Oh, we kind of tipped into thirty-five. Oh no, it's it's thirty-eight. But it's not an hour um, type of thing. And yeah. it's just like, mm, but I see you, Glow. I see you. I love you. But I see you. <laughs> um, that kind of a thing. So that, I think, makes a huge difference. But at the same time, with a, like a couple of the things that they do towards the end, it's like, I could have maybe used another episode um, just to kind of flesh things out a little bit. But this gets into like tonal and narrative sorts of things that I just that needed working in a couple of instances. Okay. Well, I think with that, do you recommend people check out Russian Doll? Yes, absolutely. I mean, my, my issues about it aside, um, and there are issues that I imagine people probably won't have. Like it's me being annoying. Um, (laughs) you should definitely check it out. And I will also say, as we head into the spoiler section, that if you need to understand the concept of quantum entanglement, this is the show to do that with because it's the best explanation of quantum entanglement that I have seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, the balance of, of the dramatic with the comedic, with the like sardonic and sarcastic and the just giddy, like it, they really blend all their tones really well and... Um, yeah, it's, it's well done. It, this is a, one that, that will live up to some rewatching and it will be fun to be in on the conversation of, about. Um, so, so yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend seeking it out. Um, and I binged it. I watched it. Like I intended to watch just like one or two and then go to bed. And, 
or, or like go back to sleep. I woke up early, couldn't fall asleep, so I started it. And then I four hours later, I had finished it. <laughs> so it's super bingeable, yeah. um, but in a positive way. Uh, and it's, yeah, this this feels like a, a water cooler kind of show, where but I don't know enough people who have seen it. And I want to talk about what they think, them, talk about it with the people, see what they think it means. So so go go seek out Russian Doll. Um, and if you have, now we're going to talk about spoilers. So I'm leaving a little time here for you guys to stop your podcasts and find Scribble, find your podcatching devices and hit the pause button. And okay, I feel like this there's, there's a lot that is really interesting about this show, but... I, the 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 stroke of brilliance and uh, well one of them is Alan and it's the fact that Alan is not incorporated in any of the advertising and any of the trailers and any of the discussion and I love it because I can only think of one time loop episode that that could be an analog and that's the Stargate SG one window of opportunity episode. Uh, but when we meet Alan, I was just like, oh, shit, this is not what I expected. And it's so much more interesting. And uh, I must watch the next one right now. Yeah. And see, I, I, I knew about Alan is the thing. Like, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. like, he showed up at the end of a trailer at some point, And maybe they cut okay. it afterwards. But I knew about Alan. So I was I was just like, oh, yeah, no, I've been waiting for this to happen <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> So that didn't really like surprise me, but I'm I really enjoyed like the placement of where it happens yeah. within like the season, um, which is fairly early. Yeah, but, and episode um, three. Yeah, and so like then transitioning to him in episode four and giving him everything, I really really liked. And um, uh, we didn't mention like him. Charlie Barnett um, is really good in this. Um, even if he is a little underserved by a lot of the narrative. Um, but I think that he still is, he gives a really strong performance. Um, and his way of sort of his, his very different energy as Alan versus, uh, Leon's Nadia really kind of helps the show out a lot and really helps it sing. And it's very necessary. So, yeah, I think it's really good that Alan is very underplayed in a lot of stuff in terms of, like, the promotional and discourse around it. Because that elevator scene is really good. It, even when you know what's coming, but if you don't know, it's very effective. Yeah, I mean, almost always, when, when we watch time loop episodes where characters learning a lesson, it's Groundhog's Day, right? until you're, they're, they're experiencing something over and over again until they figure out what they're supposed to learn, basically, or they decide that they have learned something and the, the loop ends. Because if not, then it's just a horrific, you know, tragedy. Um, it's, about a, it's about isolation. And it's usually a character in some way who thinks they want to be alone who realizes that they don't want to be alone. <laughs> and so to, to make that part of, to make it a cooperative experience, rather than an isolating experience, like make, to make this something that draws pe- two people together um, as opposed to pushes someone out of a, a, a um, comfortable isolation. And, and this does that too, but, but yeah. it does it in a different way. It does it like within the loop. And that's usually like someone's desperate to do that. So they figure out to break the loop as opposed to, 
they learn that they need to do that and that the only way they can escape the loop is together, you know, and then to, then to circle back around. Um, but anyways, it, it draws to mind, um, like, the time loop episode on Legends, where basically uh, the Nixano character forms that function, <laughs> but only because he's super down with yeah. um, But for me, that felt really original and fresh. And, um, and it then, it, just when you're starting to get tired, right, like, how can you sustain this for eight episodes? Here's how. Yeah, and I think it speaks to, like, what they're sort of, like, larger thematic things, which we can discuss in a few minutes. But that decision to make it a collaborative effort, um, I think, is just really delightful. Um, it brings, again, it brings a lot of energy, but it also... Um, speaks to this idea of life being for the living which again is very much what i feel like they're going for at the end um and it's it's just like you said it's really refreshing and it's really kind of potent because it also like again plays into what i said right before we went into the segment of quantum entanglement means one thing happening to a particle happens to the same particle. And so that very much drives a lot of this, but it also explains why like she dies randomly sometimes when she could just kind of keep going. Um, but she can't because she, Nadia can't because Alan dies and they have to die at the same time. Cause that's how quantum entanglement works. Um, so I think that there's just that, or, well, we, th that's how we think it works. Um, we don't actually understand quantum entanglement super well, um, but it's how we think it works. So I think that that kind of approach, without even actually having to explain what quantum entanglement is here necessarily, um, I think that that's just really delightful and it draws that really nice, both like a connection, it forces a connection, but it's a connection that propels so much of the narrative forward. And it also like, allows Alan to sort of like do a kind of Alan and Nadia to sort of do like a binary flip of like the software engineer who's kind of like just wanting to live their life should ostensibly be the dude whereas the prim proper sort of straight laced person should be the lady and the gender flip of that also brings a great deal of energy to it and so all of this I think just works really really well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's really effective. Um, let's talk about some of your your writing pacing issues, and specifically with the the finale. Uh, let's dive in. What was working for you, and what what didn't? So I've seen them. I've seen. I think it's Leslie um, Headland talk about it. The fact that they very much realized that they didn't want a bleak ending for this. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate that, but I also feel like that that storming of the barricades parade just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and yeah. it's in a show that is very much about meticulous setup and detail to have a parade come out of nowhere is a big issue for me. Um, just from like a structural sort of level. Um, so when horse puts on his horse head thing, I just went, Oh, so we're going to do a midwinter's night dream sort of thing here. And I'm okay with that. But this life is for the living sort of storming the barricade thing that happens is wonky for me. Um, and as much as I sort of like the energy of it, I it just it just happens there's no setup for it it just it it just happens and it just kind of really kind of ate at my brain a little bit as like the show was wrapping up um but then there's just the fact that to 
to get to that point of like the connections that we just talked about. Um, some of those are still kind of tenuous though for me because Alan's whole thing is if only I hadn't been so drunk, I could have saved you from that car. And I just went, but would you have, we have zero evidence that if you weren't drunk, you wouldn't have been there. Um, and all this sort of stuff. So like this whole concept of him saving her and helping her within that like timeline um, is just, it's really kind of squishy for me. And I don't necessarily buy it. Um, and it's not, there's not a clear enough connection basically for me to really buy into it. Um, even if their realization that they're in two separate timelines is probably for me much more effective than like the Alan thing is like that reveal. I just went, Oh, that's good. I like this. And then we have to figure out how to merge them. And that whole sort of process of they have to figure this out on this own, their own after working together for so long, I think is really, really good. Um, and then the main reason, though, that I said that they probably needed at least one more episode was a lot of Nadia's stuff um, with her mom, who's played just deliciously by um, uh, Chloe Savani. Um is um it, it gets back to Alan's idea that there's a debt or some sort of moral sort of thing that needs to happen here that they need to learn a lesson basically but i don't i don't feel like that saying that Nadia is responsible for her mom is it should not feel responsible for her mom um is just kind of wonky because she's not responsible for her mom but it's that the universe just wants her to let it go as opposed to maybe process it a little bit better and there could have just i think been more development on that and like her ghost self just pops up like way too like randomly for me um so i think that there's just little things at the end that kind of like detracted from the like the run-up to it for me um but Again, overall, I think it's really effective. It's just at the finale, I think that there's a large push to get to the ending that they want, and they kind of s- swerve around some other things so that they can get there. Yeah, the um, that shot as you watch them realize that they're mm-hmm. in separate timelines yeah. is just like one of the best things about the whole show. The performances yeah, are fantastic, and uh, like. Like you're just like you just you're so invested in them and in their dynamic that you just your heart just like crumbles when that happens. You're like no, because <laughs> you want them to save each other, of course, but also just because these are two such isolated characters who finally found somebody who they like and forged a connection. You know, like through happenstance, not because they were particularly suited to be friends or anything, but just through willpower and the I guess the power of the universe. And then they've lost that. Um, so yeah, that was just a yeah, really effective moment. Um, I think for me, if it had had another episode, it would have hurt the pacing too much. Um, is which episode is too much? I think if they had added an extra episode okay. to do deal with some of the more of the mom issues, it would have it would have uh, hurt the pacing. For mm-hmm. me, I didn't want more of Chloe Sevigny, but I do agree that it's um, a little shortcutty, kind of describing what what. Uh, what Nadia is processing on this birthday. Um, I was very reminded actually of that beautiful moment from Grey's Anatomy 
where we watch Meredith have a breakthrough. Well, well, first it's a moment in like season three or four or something like that where we find out that Meredith um, found her mom in a pool of blood having tried to kill herself as a child. And then, then, then like much then later on, I want to say it's like years later. I could be wrong about that. It might be later that same season. We watch her make the like the realization, the breakthrough that um, her mom didn't actually that wasn't her fault, and that her mom didn't actually want to kill herself because she was a surgeon. So if she had wanted to, she could have done it, and there was no way that Meredith would have been able to save her. You know, um, so I was very reminded of um, of how effective and potent both of those Grey's Anatomy moments were for Meredith, and that made me think about connections between Meredith and Nadia. Um, for, for me, the, the stuff with Nadia, it is very, yeah, like you're saying, it's very shortcut. It's like, she needs to let go of this pain. She needs to accept that part of her mother is in her and then that's, and that's okay. And it will still be there. And that, that young girl is still in her and it's still part of her and that, that she is combined of all these holes and all of these moments in her life. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really, it doesn't have the clear narrative, right? That that we see for Alan, um, and I, I was I was starting to think that they were going to have um, uh, Mike have AIDS or something, and so like that's why it was such a big deal that she needed to not have unprotected sex with him or something. So I was so glad that they didn't do that, <laughs> um, uh, but because um, they were just it just felt like the show was in that last episode saying like if she has sex with this guy who's scummy. Uh, what? What? Yeah. What happens? No. She doesn't die. You know, like the, he can still try the next day to connect with her. Um, so, so I think that they a little more clarity on, like, like I think at the end, the what they do at the end really works is really effective. But I think they kind of have to they maybe are filling a little time where they could have been more creative on stopping her before she gets to her apartment instead of having to have her come back down to the deli you know what I mean um because it didn't really make because when she's in her apartment she's not gonna get hit by a car so you know it doesn't make sense the notion that like you know she's supposed to she's gonna die this day she's gonna get hit by a car so he has to prevent that action really effective um but yeah the the, the structure of it while it works I think on a thematic level doesn't make sense on a narrative level um, and so I do, th I do agree that, that that is a bit of a weak point for the finale. Yeah, and I mean, I appreciate the fact that they try to make Mike, um, who's played really wonderfully by Jeremy Bob, um, mm -hmm. in full on, no, I'm going to do Jack Nicholson in the 1980s and you're going to like it. <laughs> um, and it works. I do like it. Mm -hmm. um, but like this sort of void that she's just using and like a choice where he he's not he's a he's where a choice belongs but isn't mm -hmm. um which is a really good description of that character type in a lot of ways and i really like that yeah. um and i like that he defines himself that way because then it just makes him all the more insufferable <laughs> um but it doesn't explain like you said like why this is bad it we're allowed to infer it. It's just like she keeps making these decisions and not forging connections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, by like pushing off, um, getting with John, um, her ex-boyfriend who has a kid and et cetera, et cetera. But it just doesn't 
it doesn't gel in any way, shape, or form to the rest of the narrative that's happening here. And it's like I said, it's just they want to get to that ending and they want to really drive home this concept of that these are two people who are now reaching out for help in an unlikely situation and will now both live their lives, but also live their lives with more compassion for themselves, but ostensibly also hopefully for others. Um, Arguably that happens as Nadia um, keeps trying to drag uh, Lizzie and Maxine out of the ever emptying apartment. Um, And can we just talk about like how really wonderful it is when time and or entropy just starts to kick in really hardcore and that the apartment just starts emptying and then just like this is what i'm talking about when i said that like they could have started doing that a lot sooner but the restraint in which they start slow showing the emptying of shelves or the decay of food or the lessening of people in the apartment um it's just really good and again it's something that they could have done earlier but to kind of like have it happen as their deaths are kind of speeding up as it were is really good and it's also like that kind of thing happens in time loop episodes i feel like that kind of entropy thing kicks in sometimes within like a random next generation time loop or frozen time episode but their way of doing it here is like this moment of horror i think works really really well and it snaps nadia into action Mm -hmm. well and also the, the 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 using the orange to show four dimensions mm-hmm. is just so so cl- so clear and yeah. straightforward and and really well done, very efficient storytelling. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the like the I wanted to say I absolutely agree as well that they should have done something to have the hunt not come out of nowhere or the the parade or whatever. Like, Quartz could have just mentioned something when he was like kind of seeming like he was just ranting about stuff. Right, there were a few moments when he could have just said, mentioned something that didn't really, it seemed like a non sequitur, but then at the end you realize he's talking about this. Um, and, and so that seems like a lost opportunity. Um, but before we, we wrap up, I, I need to mention a couple things. And a big one is, it's so funny. It's so funny. Like the, the stairs, the fact that she just keeps getting killed on the stairs over and over again. And like the shot of her falling into the cellar of that bar in both directions. It's just, it's so dark, but it is delightful. And then when Alan comes like, you went down the stairs. How'd you survive those stairs, man? It's just, just the right level of humor and uh, not taking yourself too seriously. Oh, delightful. No, it is. It's really deeply, deeply funny. Like, the horror whole thing. No, gas explosion again! It's just, like, it's very good. Like, that whole concept of, like, the amusement that they have at their, like... Well, the amusements that Nadia has in her life were like when she pulls uh, John away from the um, the opening street grate. Uh-huh. Um, she's like, those things are really f-ing dangerous. And it's just like, oh, so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I also, I mean, speaking of effective moments, the um, the moment with Nadia and the, the first gas, the, 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 no, not the gas solution, the, the gun. Um, and then how she wakes up just is such a gut punch because it's so different from anything else that we've experienced or had her consider. So when she considers, Oh, maybe these other universes keep going. Um, I thought was again, deployed at just the right time, really impactful. 
Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention is I, I love that it's with the ending, despite our issues with it, um, that she's not choosing between these two guys. She's not choosing between John and yeah. Mike. She's not choosing between Alan and Mike. She's like the stuff with John has to do with John, but it has more to do with the daughter and the book. And I, I thought that yes. was terrific. And who knows, maybe they'll, you know, that she's worked through some of her stuff, they'll give it another go. That could happen. But it doesn't really matter. And in that moment, it's not a choice. It's not about the guy. It's about what the guy and those choices represent. And um, yeah, too many other shows would make this, especially when the two of them hook up, right? Would make it about like their soulmates or something. And it's, again, it's way more no. interesting than that. Yeah, it is. And no, it's just they're Alan's very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is also really funny. <laughs> I like how I was like, well, might as well. It seems like, you know, have we tried this? Let's try this. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> For these um, characters, that make sense. I think like the only other thing I want to mention is the really effective reset where we see them like staring into like the mirrors, um, like separate sets, but like right next to each other yeah. as Gotta Get Up and uh, which is Nadia's reset song. And then uh, Alan gets Beethoven's Piano Concerto number four. Um, and as those songs like overlap in this really delightful, horrible, dissonant, but also really still very listenable because you can, the mix on it's so good because you can still hear both songs, even mm-hmm. though they've blended together in really good ways. And that moment is just also deeply, deeply affecting. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Last thought. Oh, yeah, it's such a good girl. It's a good girl. Such a good girl. She looks so pretty. Yay. That's a, that is a very well-tended for Street Cat. That's Street Cat. No, it's a super good Bodega Cat. And also, Ferran just deserves so much better. And I really hope someone buys his novel or screenplay because <laughs> he's just the best. I want an entire show about him. Yeah. <laughs> do you agree they should not do a season two? This should be done. Oh, no, this definitely needs to be done. I mean, as much as I'm excited to go see Happy Death Day to you um, this weekend, um, there's no reason for a second season to rush and all. This is a one-and-done sort of deal that should not continue. I can't, like, the con... I, I mean, they've... The short of doing it to two other people, basically, and trying to find some different sort of layers to peel here maybe and like set up as like that kind of an anthology but we don't need these two people again yeah and i mean i don't know if they I mean, maybe they can if they can make the concept different and interesting then that's good yeah. great awesome but no this story is done so i really hope there is yeah. not a season two um but it's been lovely talking about season one with you Noel. uh yeah listeners go go watch russian doll in case you skip past the non-spoiler part um yeah it was really interesting is this going to be contending for end of the year do you think um i mean it's so early to tell um but i yeah probably um natasha leone alone is probably gonna like be up there for like performances because it's so good i mean have you heard how she says cockroach i mean come on oh god (laughs) cockroach Good times. Um, well, a few show notes here at the end of our episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV, what you thought of Russian Doll, um, what you, please not what you thought of our, or my, I should say, 
not appropriate audio quality. I, again, I will fix it next week, but we do want to hear what you're watching and what you're thinking about all the things you're watching. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there, or you can go to iTunes um, where we have an M4 chapter feed and an MP3 unchapter feed and let, uh, rate and review us there, or you can press over on Stitcher. We are also both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much, Kate, for a great week. Thank you, Noel, as ever. Um, thank you to friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, who is subbing in for me to cover dra- the Drag Race finale because I got my gig. And so I, I will be like midway through Aladdin when they announce who won. So I can't write it up. Um, so she's writing it up for me. But I will be back on the Drag Race feed for season 11 over at the AV Club. So I will, I'm sure I have plenty to say about that in a couple weeks. But for now, again, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.